I want to turn to the Scriptures tonight, and I want to turn to the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. These uh, minor prophets are amazing books. Uh, it's amazing the, the, the wealth and, and the knowledge that's in them. Uh, and here is the last prophet in the Old Testament, and he proclaims a message that we hear today, that the Lord's return is coming. Now, that was written many years ago, but still today the same, the Lord's return is coming. Remember John the Baptist? He was the forerunner uh, before Christ, and he told the people of Jesus coming. In those ancient days, you know, that when a king or queen went anywhere, when royalty traveled anywhere, somebody went before them to tell them, the king or the queen is coming this way, prepare to meet the king. And John the Baptist and Malachi too were there to proclaim to people that the king of kings is coming, that Jesus is coming. And I here tonight tell you the same message, Jesus is coming and he's coming for those who know him and love him. Let's turn to chapter 3 of that uh, uh, book of Malachi. We'll read a few verses here, chapter 3. Verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit at the refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former times, and it will come near to you judgment. And I shall be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against their idolaters and against false uh, swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages and the widow and the fatherless and that turn aside the stranger from his sight. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your father, you are gone away from mine and her ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And tithes and offerings, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me with even this whole nation. Bring all ye the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. Ending there at verse 10. And we pray God will bless that reading to our hearts. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, please. Father, we thank you for the precious word of God. And we thank you for the God of that word who is very much in this uh, meeting tonight. Lord, we thank you that thou art in amongst us. Bless this congregation. Thou knowest where each one of us stand before thee. 
And we pray, God, that tonight, that God, something wonderful will happen, that God will come into our lives in a very real way, that God will touch us in a very special way, that God will change our lives, even uh, for those who know Thee as Lord and Savior, and Lord, for those who are strangers to Thyself, that tonight might be a turning point in their life where they would be drawn closer to God than ever before. Father, we thank that, that we have a wonderful God, a God who is gracious, a God who is kind, a God who is compassionate and forgiving, a God who wants to come into our life, a God who wants to be close to us, a God who wants to take us and use us. And Father, we pray that even tonight, that thy Holy Spirit will touch each one of us afresh, and Lord, that we might hear thy speaking voice, and that we might bypass the speakers it were, and listen to God's speaking voice, because God knows each one of us uh, better than we know ourselves. So come, Lord, meet with us. Again, we thank thee for fellowship, and we thank thee for opportunity to worship. Uh, we thank thee, Lord, for the wonderful pieces we were singing there uh, prior to the service, and and Lord, for those uh, hymns that really have a wonderful message in them that speaks of the love of Christ and the love of God. And Father, we pray that we might know that love and it might dwell within us till we're overflowing and it might pour out into this community here in Balnehenge and in fact all through Northern Ireland and all through the UK that that spiritual tide might turn and that many might come to know Christ because of the example that we set in our lives. Bless us now, we pray. Bless the young people that are here tonight. Uh, they are very precious in the sight of the Lord. Touch them, Lord. Claim them for thyself, that they might grow up to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. As they step out into that big world, that they might take Jesus with them, because he will protect them, he will bless them, and he will give them many good things that this world cannot give. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a story that goes about a teacher who was teaching uh, children. Uh, and he said to the children, he said, Can a man or can anyone rob your mother or your father? And the children put up the hand and he said, Of course, yes, people can break into your house and steal from you. And they said, can a man steal from your pastor? And they said, well, no, he's a special person, the young people said. And they thought about it. And then one young boy put his hand up and said, yes, they can break into his house too and they can take things belonging to him. That's true. And then he asked a question, can a man rob the queen? And they thought very seriously about it and thought of all the security that the queen is trying. But yet, somebody put their hand up and said, yes, a man can break in to Buckingham Palace and rob the queen. Then the last question he asked was, can a man rob God? And they thought for a while and they said, nobody would ever rob God. Yet God in his word says here that his people, Israel, robbed him. 
of, it says here in the passage, of his, their tithes and offerings. Well, what I'm going to speak on tonight is not only tithes and offerings, because I know you people are beyond that. You people have given, you people have sacrificed uh, to have this establishment here and so advanced in such a short time. God has been using you and you have been generous and God has blessed you with such a, a fine facilities here uh, to reach out to this community. But you know, there's other things that we can rob God from. Our lives, our talents, our gifts, our our possessions. You know, as I sat prior to the meeting, Jonathan got up to play the keyboard. And you know this, it didn't do me any good because it knocked the heart out of me. Just to listen to that beautiful, it was unbelievable. It was very touching. And I was really, I thought I was in heaven. It was so uh, very emotional, and I really uh, didn't want it to end. And then when the pastor and that, and our brother gets up to lead the singing, and you go into the singing, I, I stop singing at times. So you, you might look at me and say, that's a bit of a dummy up there. He can't even sing. But I like to listen, and to listen to the folk singing behind me. And it's just amazing to hear uh, people who have joy in their heart, people who know the Lord, people who want to sing praises unto God. And praise the Lord, the masks are away, and we can open our mouth and we can praise God for all his word, and and we cannot praise him enough. He is a wonderful Lord. So I am always touched when I come into this gathering and to hear you sing and to hear the music. It is very, very touching, and uh, it brings back many memories to me. But you know... uh, God is wonderful God. He cares for each one of us. He knows us better than we know ourselves because he made us. And he knows when we're up or when we're down or when we're struggling or when we're rebellious. Sometimes you say, I'm not going as deep as that as people want us to go in the Christian church. Uh, They expect too much of us. God's looking for too much of us. But you know, we cannot give God enough. And it's important that we give him our life. We give him our all. We give him our gifts, our talents, our our ability, our availability. We give it to God that he can take us and he can use us uh, for uh, his glory. Malachi was proclaiming a message to the Israelites. A nation of God's chosen people and they rebelled against God. Because I want to look at another verse here. In chapter 2, verse 17, it says this here. Ye have wearied of the Lord with your words, yet ye say, wherein have we wearied? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in him. Or, where is the God of judgment? And we look into the world today, and we see the evilness of man, and the depravity of man, and the immorality of man. And we say, where is the judgment of God? When is God going to step in and and rectify things? Have you ever asked that question? You know, I had a friend who is a, a minister, a godly, godly man, and he took cancer of the tongue. And then it swelled and it went into his, his mouth and into his face, and his, the, the, the face swole away up with fluids. And the family asked me what I like to see him. I was very close to him, and I went to visit him. A young man in his 50s, and when I went to see him, uh, he was in a, a hospice here in Northern Ireland, and when I went to see him, it was the worst sight I ever saw. 
He was so swollen in the head he couldn't lift his head up. He couldn't speak to me. His lips were swollen out. And he just did this for me, that I would pray with him. And I prayed with him. But I came out of that hospice and I did say these words. Why should a man in his position who was faithful in preaching the word, why should it happen to him? Israelites say the evil men were succeeding in life. They were prospering in life. We look at Ukraine and Russia. We look at Russia and the leaders of the Russian state who are very corrupt and are mega billions. They're worth a fortune because of their corruption. And all these very rich men who have stolen from the state and, and even the commentators say when this war here that Russia is very poorly equipped because the finance hasn't gone into armor yet. The finance has gone into people's back pockets because of greed. Uh, uh, they want more. Uh, uh, a million is not enough for them and a billion's not enough for them. They reckon uh, Putin could be worth 200 billion. They don't know exactly, but they say he could be the wealthiest man in the world with corruption. And we say this here, where is God's judgment? Evilness seems to prosper. But let me tell you, according to this passage here, and throughout God's word, the time is coming when things will change. Jesus' turn is, return is coming soon. And it's so important that we're ready to meet him. It's not what we've achieved in, in life. Uh, it's what we've done for him that matters. And you know, I, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a Christian being successful. There's nothing wrong with a Christian being a millionaire. I was in a house yesterday and somebody said to me, they asked me a question, is it wrong for a Christian to be wealthy? Well, I says, I know a few Christians. I didn't say Balna Hinch now, but I know a few Christians who are wealthy. And yeah, it could be Balna Hinch. But I said, there's nothing wrong with a Christian being wealthy if they put God first. Putting God first in everything. Their tithes and their offerings, their gifts and whatever they have in material things. Put it first. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, if we have two cloaks, give a cloak, share. Uh, you read in the New Testament about a tax collector, not to cheat, to be honest. God expects certain things of, and expects Christians to share what they have and expects Christians to be honest and to live a life because when you live a life, it speaks louder than any sermon. And you'll meet people out in that society there that will never come in under a, a church roof or into uh, a church gathering. Living the life speaks louder than any sermon. God knows you're here tonight. God knows where you stand before him. God knows if, you're struggle, uh, if you struggle to read his word. God knows if you struggle to pray to him. Haven't got the time, Lord. And when I do have the time, I'm too tired. Uh, God knows all that. You can't hide anything from him. Yet, he loves you. And he wants to come into your life. And he wants to redeem your soul. 
and he wants to take you and he wants to use you. And when he uses you, he is no man's debtor. He will give you many things in return. When we work in Shetland, work along, among a people, uh, are total strangers to God and, and wouldn't hear the truth being preached, and, and a lot of them are not churchy people, and, and people say to me, how long have you been in Shetland? And I said, well, coming up 10 years. And they said, you still have those people that don't believe in God? What are you doing? Life, that's true. It makes it, I feel it at times, yeah. What am I doing? But then I think of Northern Ireland. There's people in Northern Ireland who have heard the gospel for a lifetime and they're nowhere spiritually. They've never made a profession. Maybe there's somebody in here tonight who's been a churchy person or who's been gone to church or Sunday school when they were young and coming into this gathering tonight and they're not a Christian. And they, 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 they slide back in the seat. Nobody has slid yet. They slide back and they say, don't want to be too uh, prominent. Don't want to stand out. But yet they know within their heart they're not in the right place with God. And friend, it's, a, it's sad to know that people are like that, that they, they, they're not in the right place with God, not ready to meet their maker. As you get older, you know, you get experience of life and uh, it's, uh, it's, um, you, you face up to reality. Life is not always a bed of roses. Life is meant to be enjoyed. God gives us a life to enjoy, but he, he, he likes to be in the right perspective. That we put God first above everything else, and then we enjoy life all the more. God wants to give you good things. He doesn't want to make it hardship. I spoke a, a few weeks ago in some place about uh, the snares that the old devil sets for people. The snares of drugs, of alcohol, of gambling, uh, the snares of materialism, the snares of, of uh, greed. The devil sets these snares and many people get caught in those snares. And they can't get free. And only Jesus can free them from it. We work with alcoholics before and we work with druggies too. And, you know, you can preach away to them and show them the love of Christ and show them and, and help them as much as you can. But unless they bring Christ into their life, unless they get to know Jesus as Lord, he's the only one who can set them free. And you're maybe here tonight and maybe you have something within your heart. Or maybe, you know, even the preachers, we can't exempt preachers at times, but if you could see into my heart, and if I could see into your heart, what would I see and what would you see? I can come here tonight in a suit and look half decent. I thought I had a decent pair of shoes on until I saw a few boys around here, and I said, boys, I must be a cheap sale of shoes around here. Boys, very stylish and, and very slender and very sleek. And then one of your elder says to me, they looked at my feet and he says, uh, you got the box that the shoes came in by the looks of it. And that was a great encouragement to me. Boys, they make me feel so welcome. But you know, friends, it's good to have good things in life. And God wants to give you good things. God will not do you any harm. When he comes into your life, he will change it for the better. And God, God created you. Not only did he create you, but he made a way for you to come back to him because he knew that when we are born in sin, it's our nature to sin. It's our nature to do wrong. 
And when you read in the Bible, you read of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. And yet they turned on God. Adam tried to hide from God. Even in the Garden of Eden, where he had everything. No weeding to do, no laboring to do, no sweat loss. And yet he'd sinned against God. Because the devil lured them in and pulled them down. God made us. And it reminds me of a story of a young boy uh, who made a boat out of wood. And he carved it himself with a pen knife. And the important thing about a boat is that you get the buoyancy right. That when you put it into the water, it's not lying to the side or it's not dipping down. It's important that you get it right. And he carved this boat and he put sails on it and he painted it. And he looked back and thought, boy, this is a masterpiece. It looked good. But the test had to come when he would put it in the water. And he put it into the water. And boy, it sailed like a swan. You ever see a swan just gliding through the water, so graceful? And his boat was in the water, and the waves were coming in, rippling about, and the boat was going up and down, up and down, like going to Shetland, you know. Only 40-foot waves take you to Shetland. And there he was, watched his boat till it went beyond his reach. And he lost the boat, and he was heartbroken. Something that he made himself, and he lost it. And a few months later, he was in the town with his mother, and he looked in this shop window, whether it was a second-hand shop, or, and there on the window was his boat. And he ran into the shopkeeper and he said, that's my boat in the window. I lost it, went out into the sea, and I couldn't reach it. That's my boat. I made it, I painted it, and I put the sails on. That's my boat. And the shopkeeper says, well, he said, it was your boat. It's my boat now. And if you want that boat, you have to buy it. And he had no money to buy it. And he went home and he told his dad. Dads are great at times. Aren't they? Dads are great at times. When you need a few pounds or a few shillings, you go to your dad. Uh -huh. And he went to his dad and said, Dad, I found my boat, but it's, it, I have to buy it back. And the dad gave him the money. And the young boy ran down to the shop, hoping it was still there, and he bought the boat back. And the shopkeeper heard him saying, when he was going out the door, he hugged the wee boat, and he says, you're my, you're mine. I made you, and I bought you twice. I made you twice. He bought it, he made it the first time, he lost it, and he had it by the second time. And that just brings us into what God has done for us. God has made us. He has created us. We have gone into the things of the world. We have sinned against God, but God is gracious and God is good. And God has made a way that we can come back to him. And that's by sacrificing his son. So God can say the same words as that young boy. When you put your trust in Christ, God is overjoyed. He's so happy. And he says these words, you are mine again. You are mine twice. I have made you and I have bought you. Bought you by the precious blood of the Lamb. And it's so important, friend, that you get this right on this side of eternity, that Jesus died for you. 
When I look at my life and see uh, as I came up through life, and I was a very churchy people person, uh, I went to everything in the church, but I didn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you know, there's an old thing creeps into your life. I think maybe with men more so than women, it's a wee thing called pride. Well, it's not a wee thing, it's a big thing. Pride. I was good living. I thought I was better than others. I didn't know I was a sinner. I didn't know that I needed Christ in my life until the Holy Spirit guided me into a mission hall one night and I heard the gospel and that night I called and sought the Lord to be my savior. And Jesus came into my heart and Jesus forgave me my sins and now I'm a child of God. And I've never regretted that day. And friend, if you're here tonight and are stranger to Jesus and to the things of God, God understands and he's calling on you tonight to put your trust in him. Why? Because time is running out. Our days are numbered. Jesus' return is coming soon. Some preachers will say, oh, well, you know, there's a certain time, certain things have to be fulfilled yet. Some preachers will say, no, Jesus could come anytime. So I like to play it safe. And what I say to you is, no matter when he comes, you be prepared. You know him as your Lord and Savior. Don't leave it too late. Put things right now. Call upon him. And let Christ come into your heart. When we see some young people in Shetland and, and they get saved, and as, as you heard in my report many times, a young girl who, who put her trust in Christ at 14, and, and she's so bright for the Lord. She's unbelievable. Uh, 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 she's on fire for God. And I trust that the pressures of life and even the churches that they're in, that they don't put that fire out. Because sometimes the church can't put the fire out when a young person has zeal and wants to do something great, or an adult too who wants to do something for the Lord, that they can put that fire out. But have that zeal. Get into the right place with God. Trust in Jesus. He made the great sacrifice. This uh, uh, prophet here warns Israel that, that Jesus' return is coming soon. He speaks uh, about John the Baptist. He does, uh, doesn't mention his name, but he does talk about the forerunner. And then he talks about Jesus as well. And they, that passage there, compared to the passage in the New Testament, John the Baptist is about 500 years of a difference, they reckon. Uh, and yet the prophet prophesied that. And it happened. And the Bible also says that Jesus will come again and that he will come soon and that we're living in the days of God's grace and God is gracious and God is kind and God wants you to call on him even tonight. When we were in John Manson's house and his wife Kathleen and uh, they sat at the table and Kathleen said she, she couldn't go to bed at night. She was frightened that she might not see tomorrow. And John was a hard nut. He was a hard worker in his days, a hard taskmaster, and he was a hard nut in his later days too. And he wasn't really gospel hungry. In fact, he would have been hard against the gospel. And he sat at the table and I was scared to look at him in case he would throw me out. But I just had to ignore him and I looked to Kathleen and Dorothy was with me that night too. I said, Kathleen, you can put it right. 
at the kitchen table, we can just pray to God and you can ask the Lord into your heart. And she says, I want to do that. And John, out of the blue, just shouted, I want to do the same. And when I looked at him, the tears rolled down his face. And that night, both of them put their trust in God and asked Jesus to be their Lord. As simple as that. In their kitchen table, they didn't have to be in a church building. They didn't have to be after a, a, a preaching sermon. It's just the Holy Spirit worked on them. And the Holy Spirit brought them under conviction. And we were just there. We couldn't save them. All we could do was point them to the one who could. And that's what I want to tell you tonight. I cannot save your soul. Tim cannot save your soul. The people of this congregation cannot save your soul. But they can point you to one who can. There's a great song now. I don't know if the Balanahinch boys sing it or not. Uh, 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 the Gribner boys, boys and girls, okay? Uh, I don't know if they sing I know a man. Have you sung that piece? No? I know a man. It says, I can't heal the brokenhearted. I can't walk on the sea. But I know a man who can. And I know a man who is gracious who is forgiving, who is loving, who is kind, who is caring. And that is Jesus Christ. And you can know him too. That's okay. That's on the... And you can know him too. Even tonight, you can put your trust in him and ask him into your life, into your heart, and see things changing. There's evil in the world. There's corruption in the world. Even in Northern Ireland, things have changed. And you're having an election very soon, and you don't know what way it's going to go. Well, I think you have an idea what way it's going to go. Things might change for you. But there's more important things, friend. That is, are you in the right place with God? Do you hold back from God of the things that God has given you? Now, I'm not talking about finance here. I'm talking about the gifts that you have. When I see the likes of Jonathan, not only is he a good keyboard player, but he's a good babysitter. He's way out with the baby there. And he's got her quiet, so he's good at that too. You have him well trained. And, uh, uh, but gifts like that, God, God wants to use you. Maybe you haven't got money to put in the basket, but you might have something more important. You might have a, a friendly uh, 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 character that you, encourages people in the things of God. Maybe you can do practical things. Uh, maybe you're good in the doors or speaking to people outside about Jesus. Are you holding back? You say, I, I do my part. I come on a Sunday. I come Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and I try to get on Wednesday night, whatever night prayer night. I do quite well, you might say to yourself. Be careful. That's the old devil trying to fool you. God wants more than that. He wants your all. And you folk here could make a big impact in Northern Ireland and even further afield. I don't like to refer to it all the time, but the time the group came to Shetland, and you know, Shetland folks still speak about it. And guess what they say? When are they coming back? 
because God has gifted you and you're willing to use it for his glory. To stand there tonight and listen to the singing behind me, and you know, I could pick out certain voices. I knew some people that were singing tonight, and I listened to them, and boy, I really enjoyed it. And it's lovely to hear your singing and just pouring your heart out. Not worried who's beside you. We're not worried if you had a wrong note or a flat note or whatever, but just singing your heart onto God. And that's what God wants. Just pour your heart. Praise his name above all other names. Give him your all. Don't hold back. Can a man rob God? Yes, he can. And you might think you've done your part. You can do more. And God wants you to do more. And God will give you opportunity. If you're sitting in here tonight and you're not saved, and God is speaking to you, don't hold back. This is an opportunity for you to get right with God and to call upon his name. And he will come. If you call on him, he will come. And he will save you. And he will redeem you. Redeem your soul. That's the kind of God that we have. He's still in the business of saving souls. Don't ever doubt that. You're never too far away from him that he can't hear you. Call on him even tonight. From the inner part of your heart where we can't hear, call on God and say, God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me my sins. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And within your heart, God can hear that. Hearing is an amazing thing. We take hearing for granted till we get older. And then when we get older, boy, the hearing becomes a bit of a problem. And we say, what was that you said? Pardon, could you repeat that? And then certain people twig on, the wife or somebody twigs on, you're going deaf. So, they're so gracious about it. You're going deaf. And, but God, God always hears. God always hears. God always gives you opportunity. And that's what we're going to give you tonight. Opportunity to put your trust in him. For those who believe in God and know him as Lord and Savior, an opportunity tonight to go into a deeper experience with him. The Bible talks about the river of God into the ankle deep or into knee deep or into loin deep or in deep enough that you're not seen. Only Christ is seen in your life. I noticed people down in the port this past while with the good weather out, you know, and they, they go out and, and they want to go into the sea and some of the, the ladies especially they put their toe in the water. Oh, that's cold. That's cold. And they're scared to go in. And Christians can be like too. Shallow Christians. Saved, yes, but very, very little fruit. Need to go into a deeper experience. Don't hold back. Don't rob God. Give him your all. Give him your life. Give him your possessions. Give him your family. Give him yourself totally over to God. And he will bless you. And he will reward you. And he will do great things through you. 
you people here have been used to be a blessing to others, to a blessing to us, uh, to have fellowship with you uh, and to listen to you and your singing and your preaching and just this uh, setup you have here and the outreach you have through the, the bookshop and through the tea room. Uh, God is using you. But maybe there's someone here tonight who could give more to God. Give more. You know, people uh, in business, the, the, the thing that they don't like doing in business is paying income tax. Income tax is a big problem. And they try every way they can to get around and do it legally. So they tell me, if there's such a way, uh, to avoid paying income tax. Uh, I had a brother one time, they got a tax bill a few years ago for 74000 and he said, that'll never happen again. He said, those boys sitting up in Stormont, he said, they'll not be getting 74000 off me again. They don't like parting with it. And there's certain things in our life, you know, we don't like parting with. Our time. I'm out working all day when I come home. One night a week is enough to go to a prayer meeting. My time is, is valuable. And time is valuable. My possessions... My castle, my home, what we do in a home, what we put into a home, and sometimes we go way overboard. Uh, things that we don't need in the home we have. Uh, people say to us when we're in Shetland, people from Northern, have you a dishwasher up there? I says we have a dishwasher up in Shetland, but we have no room for it. It's in the, somebody's garage. We haven't even a garage for it. It's in somebody's garage, and now it's out of date. You, I don't think it would even know to take water in. So we had to give it away to a charity uh, up in Shetland, uh, and they were able to use it. And, and nothing wrong with having a dishwasher, by the way. Nothing wrong with having a bit of comfort, but make sure that God is first in your life. Make sure God is first, is number one. Give him your all, and he will give back to you. God is no man's debtor. God knows what you sacrifice, what it costs you. God knows all that, and he will reward you. He will not uh, uh, hold back from you. He wants to pour blessings upon you. He wants to give you more than you're getting if you just give him your all and put your trust in him. There are many people out in society, you know, uh, 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 and we were going to a place the other day on uh, Sunday morning, uh, and they, they were... Sunday morning, the sun was shining. People were out walking dogs. People were cycling. People were jogging. I'm not talking about a dozen people. I'm talking to hundreds of people. And, and, and there on a Sunday morning, I said to Dorothy, isn't it sad to see people not interested in church and just out uh, doing what they enjoy doing? And Dorothy said this to me. You must remember, they're blinded. They don't know any better. That's why we need to go into the world and preach the gospel to them. That's why we need to go into the world and reach out to them and tell them about Jesus and about what he has done for them and how much he cares for them, how much he loves them. It's important that we get out into society because time is against us. COVID has closed down a lot of things and people weren't reached the same way, but it's important that we go out and that we reach these people now and tell them about the love of Jesus.
You know, when you go into a career and into a job, some people like the job and some people don't like the job. I always say, life is too short. Make sure you have a job that you enjoy doing. Don't put yourself through uh, 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 trials and tribulation for the work that you don't like doing. And in work, you, there's such a thing as job satisfaction. Have you ever made anything like that? Young boy made the boat. Job satisfaction. Pleased with himself. He made this boat. It was perfect. Uh, we had a friend who was a great baker, and she made this beautiful apple tart. She worked for Sands Christian, the, 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 the army. She worked in one of their homes uh, uh, on an outreach telling the soldiers about Christ. And she was a great baker, and she made this beautiful apple tart. And she stood back, and she looked at it. And she said, it's perfect in every way. And all she has to do is put the, we to see if I know what it is now. Castor sugar, is that right? Castor sugar, getting the nod, yeah. Cast, see, castor sugar, and she sprinkled over the castor sugar and she put it into the cabin and there was two officers standing there and they looked at this apple tart and they said, do you mind if we have a slice each? It'll spoil your display. And she was a wee bit hesitant, but that's what it was made for. And she said, that's what it's there for. You get a slice each. And she sliced it and put it in plates. And she was that proud of this apple tart. As she watched them walk down to the table. And she wanted to see the reaction when they took the first bite. And my wife always says to me, she said, what's it taste like? I said, well, Dorothy, it's not in my mouth yet. <laughs> and they're anxious to know. And she was anxious to see the reaction of this these officers, not just ordinary soldiers, officers. And she watched them as they took the first bite. And she wanted to see that pleasant, you know, the, the smell, the aroma of the apple, and then the flavor of the apple. And she wanted to see the reaction. And it was different to what she expected. And their face turned sour. And they came up to her. One of them said, I hate to tell you. And she said, what's wrong? He says, you didn't put castor sugar on it, you put salt. <laughs> and she was so caught up with herself. And you know, job satisfaction, there's no harm in job satisfaction. It's good to have a wee bit of justifiable pride in your work. But let me, I worked at engineering, told me I made things. And, and sometimes I made them and they turned out good. And sometimes they weren't so good. And I remember my boss saying to me, Maynard, this piece you're on now, and he says, is this going to be your masterpiece? And I said, what do you mean by that? Well, he says, you're on it long enough. He says, you need to get moving on. And, and job satisfaction when you see a job well done. Let me tell you, there's no greater experience of telling somebody about Jesus and about pointing them to the Savior and then to see as life comes to an end for them that they've gone to be with the Lord. There is no greater satisfaction. Should somebody give me £10,000, it wouldn't give me the same thrill as pointing someone to the Savior. Have you ever experienced it? Have you ever witnessed to someone about Jesus? Have you ever told them about the Lord, what he's done for you and what he's done for me? And to know that through your experience and as they listen to you and as they watch your, your life and, and your actions and your reactions, they know that Jesus is in control of you. 
Have you ever experienced of knowing that someone through your witnessing has come to Christ? I'm beginning to think we're too long in Shetland because some of our people are passing on. And I said, boy, it might be our turn soon for coming on, passing on. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's good to know that you've been there, that you had uh, the joy of telling them about Jesus, uh, and people have put their trust in Christ, and should the time come for them to go with their Savior, there's no greater joy and no greater satisfaction to know even for one soul to leave Northern Ireland and go to Shetland for one soul, it is worth it. Have you ever experienced it? Has God given you opportunity to witness for him? And maybe somebody here is tonight in this gathering tonight, somebody has witnessed to you and you know what way you ought to go. You know what decision you ought to make. And you yet haven't made that decision. I would lose my friends. I would embarrass my family. Or my family might rebel against me. When I went home and told my mother and, and family that I got saved, they, you know what they said to my brothers? You didn't need saved. You were always churchy. You were always in church. You didn't need saved. Who told you that nonsense? And they just didn't understand. And you think you might lose friends or friends might make fun of you. They're not friends. They're not true friends. When you come into a fellowship, especially here, and you put your trust in Christ, you have brothers and sisters in Christ who will stand with you and who will help you and who will encourage you. And as I say to people, fellowship is vital. You need fellowship with the right people. People say to me, what advice would you give in bringing up a young family? I said, bringing up children today is very important that they get into the right company. That they mix with Christians, that they mix with people of the same way of thinking. When they mix with people of the world, and we do have friends out there, who are not, I have friends who are not saved, but I don't let them influence me. You don't let them influence you. You need to take your stand for God and for Christ. What I say to you tonight as I close this meeting is, where do you stand tonight? Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you the experience of his saving grace? Can you tell me that you have called on his name and he's heard you and he's come and he's saved you? And if you've done that, can you tell me, are you in a deep walk, a deeper experience with God? Do you give him your all or do you just give him your leftovers? Have you done anything for Christ? I got a text message sent to me from this church, from this congregation. A man sent me a, 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 it's a, a, like a, yeah, a kind of video on the phone. I'm not into these things, really, but I can work a video on that and I got it. And I, I sat down and I listened to it. And I thought, boys, what a blessing it was. It was a simple story, an illustration. And I said, what a blessing that was to me. Something as simple as that. Uh, speaking in children's language. You ever get that? 
speaking in a language that people understand. Not preaching above people's head, but preaching in a, a level that they will understand, that they can grasp. And what a blessing it was to me to be in that and to watch that. Can you witness for Christ? There was a lady, a friend of ours, and she was a fine, fine Christian woman, and she found it very difficult to witness. She was an out-and-out Christian, but found it very difficult to witness until she asked the Lord to fill her with the Holy Spirit. And God came down and filled her with his Holy Spirit, and she went out, and in her very gracious way, she reached out to many, knocking doors and giving them a gospel track. And God used her in a simple way, but in a mighty way, God used her. And God can use you here tonight. Friend, what I say to you as I sit down, get into the right place with God. Get saved is the first step. For the Christian Go into a deeper experience and see what God can do for you and with you. Young people, walk close to God at all times. That's an evil world out there. Make sure when you go into that world, whatever career you have, whatever job you want to, make sure you take Jesus with you. Walk close to him. And he will protect you, and he will bless you, and he will reward you for your faithfulness. As we say in Shetland to the young people, and, and Shetland is a very, we have the oil industry, we have the fishing industry, and they bring in a lot of money. Uh, and uh, we say to the young people, uh, when the young boys come off the fishing boats, the, the Jaguars and the Bentleys and that type of car sitting, with the drug barns in it. And the young men come off the fishing boat with their money cash. And they go over to these cars and they buy what they need to get their fix, I think they call it. And they buy what they need. And they're caught in a snare. Out there in that society, even in Northern Ireland, the devil has snares set, especially for young people. And it's important that you know Jesus and that you walk close to him. And bring him into your life in a real way. And he will bless you and he will protect you. And he will cover you by his precious blood from the evil one who is running about there out in that society like a roaring lion waiting to devour, to destroy. Whereas Jesus wants to give you the good things and lift you up and bless you and reward you. Put your trust in him. Let him become your Lord and Savior. Let him become your all and give him your all. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.